0: Hello and welcome to episode 2 of The Gamer's Advocate. I'm so glad you chose to come back, or welcome if you've never seen us before. This week we're going to be talking about a couple cool news stories and then a topic that means a lot to me because it's about gaming with other people. But not in the traditional sense where you have local couch co-op and different things like that, but playing games, single player games, together. It's a very, I think it'll be kind of an interesting topic and focusing on some pretty great games and one that you may be pretty familiar with if uh, you've been paying attention to video games this year. But before we get started, I kind of wanted to just talk about how my week was or what new things that I've done. And the main thing that I did was see Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and I actually very much enjoyed it. Guardians of the Galaxy 1 is probably my favorite Marvel movie and it just hit me by such a surprise. I loved it so much. I mean, Groot, I Am Groot is incredible. Rocket Raccoon and the music, it's just a combination of so many incredible things. And I don't know, it's probably a topic for another day, but sometimes I feel that hype can ruin movies. And going into this movie with fresh eyes and not really knowing much about the Guardians, I thought was really incredible. And Yeah, I would love to give kind of a more spoiler-filled topic of that, but this is a gaming podcast first and foremost, so we'll get to some gaming, which is what I've been playing lately. Um, I write for a site called Marooner's Rock, and I've been reviewing a game called NBA Playgrounds. It released today, and it's very much in the vein of NBA Jam and NBA Street, if you remember these games where you're playing with characters, current characters, legendary characters, and doing the craziest dunks and alley-oops and all this stuff. And while Playgrounds more or less captures that magic, it's not the greatest, but it builds a really great foundation that I think if they build on it, it could be something pretty special. Um, I've been playing a lot of that, been playing, I've been trying to jump back into I Am Setsuna on the Switch, because I've been traveling a little bit too, so that's kind of why the Switch has been my best friend this past week. And it's made by Square Enix, and it's a good game, it's a little slow, and I had it on PS4 when it first came out and it's fun but I don't know there's something about the switch and being able to play in bed or on a plane that just makes these games that maybe you wouldn't want to sit and really spend a lot of time with a lot more appealing and I am Setsuna is definitely one of those games and I mean I've been playing Mario Kart and Zelda because they're just wonderful but that's kind of the main stuff that I've been getting into the last week and yeah like I said I'm traveling to Florida tomorrow for the weekend so I'll probably be playing a lot more switch with my brother who is Coming up in a topic later, and it's gonna be, it should be a good weekend, so we'll definitely have a full report next week. However, I wanna get into the three main topics of today's show. So, the first topic that we have for you today is Assassin's Creed. So, I'm sure if you've been following games since what, 2007, then you've heard of Assassin's Creed, and it's actually been made into a movie. Last year and I actually haven't seen it even though it's on my list of things to do because I hear it's not the best but I'm sure it's probably pretty entertaining especially if you're familiar with the series, but as you know, Assassin's Creed went on hiatus last year it Because I mean it was coming out like clockwork every year like Call of Duty like Battlefield like all these games and The formula was getting a little too samey the games started feeling very similar to each other and while I heard great things about Syndicate it, I don't know, it just kind of lost the magic, especially for me. And I'll get into my history with Assassin's Creed a little bit, but first I want to focus on the news that broke this week. There was a screenshot, which also, if you're familiar with Assassin's Creed, you know that the games leak very early, and Ubisoft does ne- usually never gets their time to shine and reveal the game because inevitably someone will see a PowerPoint presentation on a plane or a document here or there or something like that, the first glimpse of Assassin's Creed, maybe I mean, you could not necessarily a reboot, but the return of Assassin's Creed has been seen in the wild, and it's a picture of Egypt, which you can see here. Now, if you look at this picture, there's some interesting things to note. Now, it's not 100% confirmed, but it's it definitely follows that Egyptian motif. So, if you look on the top left, this is where you get kind of the big hints that this is really Egypt. As you can see, it says "Follow Shedya to Kenneth's Villa." And also, which could be pretty fun, it says, assassinate the crocodile. So I'm assuming that maybe it's a gentleman or a lady with the nickname of the crocodile because why would you wanna assassinate an innocent crocodile? Unless maybe they were being kept as a pet or something. Now this also leads credence to the Egyptian theme because Shedja was actually an Egyptian queen who ruled between 2375 and 2345 BC. So it's probably a pretty good bet that these rumors are true. And it's important to note that this is a leak, and it is a rumor, and it was reported by Kotaku, but it was verified by three separate sources by Eurogamer. And like I said, with the history of Assassin's Creed leaking, the the rumored Egyptian theme, and the fact that hundreds upon hundreds of people are, in, are working on this game at, at Ubisoft, I'd say it's a pretty good bet that this is... Either an early version or some type of maybe current version of Assassin's Creed which we've heard origins or something of that nature now it remains to be seen what more we're gonna get in this Assassin's Creed revival are we gonna get the modern tale such as Desmond and kind of seeing what's currently happening between the Templars and the assassins who have been fighting for a very long time and about what who who really knows we obviously have no indication of multiplayer what the story will be, anything like that. But it's exciting to see a first screenshot, which means we're probably going to get a reveal pretty soon, and probably it's big blowout at E3 2017, which is, man, coming up next month. It's actually exciting because this will be my first year going to E3, so expect a lot of coverage, especially from someone who's never been there and whose dream it's been to go there since he was a wee little lad. Very exciting times ahead, but I want to talk about Assassin's Creed a little bit and my history with the franchise. So, like I said, it began in 2007, and it followed Altair. It was a great tale. I mean, it had some technical issues, blah, 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 blah. And then Assassin's Creed 2 came out, and the Ezio trilogy with Brotherhood and Revelations. And I just fell in love with this franchise. The freedom to run and jump and climb to your will and explore these beautiful historical cities. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge history guy, and I love kind of being able to live these worlds that we can only really read about or see recreations of. And then Assassin's Creed 3 came out and it was okay, I mean, I like the setting a lot. I don't know, the game did drag a little bit. And then Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag came out and I was super excited because I love the ocean and I love that area and the time period of pirates and being able to sail around in a ship. And I mean, being one of the first games on PlayStation 4 didn't hurt its chances at all either. It just didn't grab me like I wanted it to and it's, it's a shame because I always want to get back to it because people have loved the games. And a a big reason why they like it is they say that it didn't necessarily feel like an Assassin's Creed game. It felt more like a Pirates game with Assassin's Creed thrown in. And then we had obviously, I mean, Rogue that came out kind of similar times and Syndicate and Unity and all these other games. And I really haven't played a proper Assassin's Creed game since Assassin's Creed 3, like fully completed the game. I mean, there's been all these other spin-offs like Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation on the Vita and Assassin's Creed Chronicles that are these mini kind of entry side-scroller type games that have been coming out. But uh, it's, it's a shame because I love the games, but they just became like clockwork and they just became kind of like you were doing a chore. Like every year an Assassin's Creed was coming out and, okay, I guess I got to finish it or I guess I got to play it. But with the sheer amount of games that are coming out, it's hard to kind of take... A game that you're so familiar with when they have all these new incredible experiences there's only so much time in the day so i really really personally cannot wait for assassin's creed whatever this next one is called because i like to believe that they've taken their time and listened to the criticisms of the fans and are really going to focus in and get back to what makes assassin's creed such a great franchise and why i mean so many people around the world loved it and I think it'll be good for me personally, because like I said, I I've kind of fallen out of love with the series, but I want to get back in. And I think getting to Egypt, being able to explore the pyramids and the ancient history and all this kind of stuff is going to be pretty incredible. Now, before I end this topic, I want to talk about one last thing, and that's where else should the Assassin's Creed franchise go? And I want to hear your opinions on this. So make sure to email me at adam at thegamersadvocate.com or comment below. But where do you want to see Assassin's Creed go? I know me personally, my number one choice is feudal Japan. I know people have said this and there's been rumors and kind of ideas of should it happen, shouldn't it happen. But I just think exploring that era could be so cool. I mean, obviously it's Templars and Assassins and stuff like that. And you're going to have to deal with Samurai and Ninjas. I don't know what you're going to kind of deal with. But I just think exploring that era would be so, not not only just beautiful, but interesting to kind of get a different cultural perspective of how this battle between light and dark are going. I think feudal Japan would be incredible. And I think another really kind of cool one would be going back to the beginning, the beginning of the Assassins and the Templars, and seeing how this feud started. We, I played Far Cry Primal last year and really enjoyed it, and I kind of like that motif of ancient history and kind of dealing with the origins of humanity and tribes and culture. And I think the Assassin's Creed series would probably be pretty cool taking that kind of approach. It'll be interesting to see where they take the series and I hope it comes back strong because the foundation obviously is is very strong. So let me know what you think about the Assassin's Creed franchise. Are you excited about this new entry going maybe headed to Egypt? Where would you like to see it go? What would bring you back into the Assassin's Creed franchise? Let me know. What would bring you back into the Assassin's Creed franchise? And that's topic number one. There you go, easy enough. (laughs) Um, Topic number two, we're jumping back to Nintendo. Now I know you guys might see a theme, but I do love Nintendo, and they're doing a lot of interesting things right now. Where I think a lot of companies obviously are preparing for E3 and the big push. Nintendo keeps coming out with these news stories in these random times. That's, I mean, that's Nintendo. They drum to their own beats, they do their own thing. It's gotten them into a lot of trouble, but it's also made them a ton of money. And the story I'm talking about today is the new Nintendo 2DS XL. Yes, the n- new Nintendo 2DS XL. The Switch is out, there's an amazing, I mean it's getting amazing reviews and reception even though people can't find it, it's flying off the shelves. And on a random Thursday night, I mean it was during an earnings call, but Nintendo announced that they're coming out with a new entry in the 2DS slash 3DS family. Now this is very similar to the new 3DS XL, new Nintendo 3DS XL, excuse me, but there's no 3D. It's got a super thin top screen, it's got faster processor, it's it's the clamshell closing, because there is the Nintendo 2DS right now that you can get for $79.99, but it's more geared for the younger kids who like to throw it in the back of a car and not worry about it. It's like very sturdy kind of. But this is getting back to what made that form factor of the 3DS so great where you can just close it, you can suspend it just open it back up and continue playing. And it's coming on July 28th for $149. It raises the question, why is Nintendo releasing another console that's competing with the Nintendo Switch that's at $299 right now? And there's a couple pros and cons and kind of interesting ways to look at this. I mean, I want to take kind of the devil's advocate idea and see why this would be a good idea. Because at first you're like, why are they doing this? They should focus everything on Nintendo Switch. What I like to say, that I think is an interesting point from where Nintendo is coming is the Vita is clearly dead. Very sad because I love the Vita, and that's something else we could talk about. The Vita was a great system, and it's it's a handheld. It's a different market. It's not your necessary your console, your home console, big behemoth. And the Nintendo 3DS XL has an incredible library of games that's or that are already there that the Nintendo Switch, frankly, is not backwards compatible with. So they have this massive library that they don't want to give up on, I'm sure, because think of how much money and resources they've spent on building that library. And they want people to be able to enjoy this system for years to come. So my thought is they're coming out with this 2D assets, they're trying to get as cheap as possible, take out the 3D, do all this stuff, make it a nice form factor, and give, especially the younger generation who maybe don't have the money to afford a Switch yet, or who aren't ready to upgrade to the Switch, a chance to get in on the ground floor on Nintendo. Because they want to be able to kind of hit every market. They've they've jumped into mobile with Super Mario Run, Fire Emblem Heroes, and they're, they're going to continue that. And that's kind of the free level. Or, I mean, if you have a phone, you have a Nintendo console, sort of. And then the next level up, they're going to have the 3DS or 2DS. And I bet you there'll be some games. I'm sure there'll be some version of Pokemon. But it's going to be more that you can jump in and you already have this incredible library of games, virtual console, all the stuff that you can jump into if you're maybe a newer gamer or someone who want, who's never bitten on the 3DS. And also the Nintendo Switch. That's the, the Mac Daddy, the big level one that everyone wants to push to. And I still believe that Nintendo is going to consolidate the mobile market or 2DS market, 3DS market, and the Switch and development and make it into the Switch system. I I really hope so, because as you know, for Smash, they had to develop one for the 3DS and one for the Switch. They go from Mario Kart 7 on the DS to Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U. But with them consolidating it, all the resources and everything can go together at one point to the Switch to make the best version and best console that it could be. That doesn't mean, like I said, they don't want to give up on this Huge library of games and markets. So I think they're making the system where they already have the parts, they already have the, they know how to make them efficiently because they've been making them for many years now. And they want to say, hey, we're not giving up on you 3DS people. You're not going to be getting the main entries and the big stuff, but there's some great, great stuff here for you if you'd like it. And who knows? Another very kind of interesting point is that people who, I mean, I have a lot of friends too who kind of lapsed with Nintendo. They jump to 360, or PS3, or PS4, or Xbox One, and they have kind of left Nintendo behind because they don't feel that Nintendo had been speaking with them in the past, especially with the Wii U and its mixed messaging. But with the Switch, they've gathered a lot of these people who were, were not really in Nintendo's camp and now they're back. And when they're playing the Switch, and maybe in between a big launch, like waiting for Super Mario Odyssey or during the holidays, and they say, hey, I've heard great things about the 3DS, but I've never purchased it before. And for $150, they can expand their Nintendo library to an incredible level. I mean, I think that's a pretty cool thing to offer to your fans. Especially someone, I mean, obviously Nintendo wants to make money, so why not give them a chance to make even more money? So I think it's an interesting thing that they're doing. I mean, like I said, I my hope, and this, I mean, Nintendo has burned me in the past and mer- burned many people, but I'm hoping that this doesn't mean that the Nintendo 3DS or 2DS line is going to continue in parallel with the Switch. It can't segment the market like it has in the past. It needs to consolidate and have one focused vision and say, if you want to play the best of Nintendo, this is the system you need, the Nintendo Switch. You need this, this will give you everything you need and we're putting all our resources to it. Sure, they could have some smaller studios or smaller indie developments still come come to the 3DS. But make sure that the 3DS, or the Switch, excuse me, is your main console. That's all I have to say to Nintendo. The Switch is amazing. It's an amazing, amazing system, and I love it and cannot stop playing it. And I'm hoping that it continues and becomes and reaches its full potential, which the Vita never did, which, Oh, it makes me so sad because that Vita was amazing and I mean showed the promise of the switch The switch is really the Vita personified and something that this the Vita never could get to It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out options are good options give your consumers choice And they give them reasons ways to get in especially if they can't bump up for the bigger model or the Cadillac version as some people would say so we'll see how it goes but all I know and once again is that nintendo make sure the switch is number one don't confuse that market don't keep bringing out all these games one for this one for that blah 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 let the switch speak for itself and be the true powerhouse of nintendo and there's topic number two now for the last topic topic number three as always this is something a little different or a category or something that i really want to talk about and jump in on this is focusing on single player games but games that you make into a cooperative experience, or you experience with other people. So not like a local co-op game, like NBA Street or NBA Jam or Madden or any of these games where you're actually playing multiplayer, but you're playing your own single player story, but you're living and experiencing it with someone else. The first game that I wanna focus on is a game that (sighs) I still can't get over how incredible it is, is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now I'm not gonna get into spoilery territories. There's a small spoiler into what the adventure was that made me think of this topic, but it's not really a spoiler to the game. In this game, there's these things called memories, and that's all I'll say. There's memories in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild that you can search for, and they're pictures of a location in Hyrule. All you get is a picture. That's all you get. There's no indication, there's no, it's in this general area, there's no, there's no way to know where these things are except for when you explore. So going through Hyrule, the way that, I mean, the game is so beautifully designed that these landmarks and these icons and these, these places that you visit stick in your brain. And you know where the difference of this area by this area where this is. It is one of the greatest gaming moments that I've had is finding these memories. But the reason that it made it so special is because I was doing it with my brother, Jordan. Who has his own YouTube channel, XX, froki XX. Yes, named after the amazing Pokemon Froki. <laughs> yeah, you definitely gotta check him out. We spent hours, hours searching for all these memories. We would look at the every angle of this image. We would zoom in. We would take a picture of them and zoom into them and be like, where was this thing? Oh my god, look, there's Hyrule Castle, but look, it's it's at this angle, or I see this tower, and we need to kind of go to this side and whenever we found one of these memories it was one of the greatest moments that i've i've had in gaming like i said and sometimes we would stumble upon one randomly when we weren't even looking about it and i would call jordan and i'd be like jordan i found the memory and we would just we would celebrate together and we would be on the phone for hours sometimes not finding anything cuz some of them are very tricky But then one of us would get this kind of like light bulb moment in our heads and just say, oh my God, I know where this is. And we would both sprint there. And the best, best part was the final memory, which like I said, no spoilers or anything. We found it together at the same time, but not telling each other. We arrived to the conclusion and we're like, we need to go here. And we fast traveled there we found it and we found the memory. Jordan found it first and 2 seconds later right before he could even explain what he saw, I found it too. So we spent this whole journey together and we found the end at the same time and it was just so it's so exhilarating. It's a moment that I won't forget. And the memories themselves are an incredible experience because games are so hand these days. They are they tell you where you need to go and where you need to focus. But the but Breath of the Wild, its strength is in its world building and building a map that's so beautiful and well thought out that you know where you are and you know where you've been. So when you look at a picture, you can say, I know this general area. I may not know exactly where it is, but if I explore enough and use my, my wits and kind of think of where this is, I can find it. And we did. We didn't have to use one bit of help. And like I said, we weren't in the same game, we were playing our own worlds, but we made it into a multiplayer experience where we did this challenge together, yet separately. And it's a moment that I, I, like I said, I will never, ever forget. Another set of games that I want to focus in on are the Telltale games, and specifically Walking Dead, season one. I mean, all of them have this in it, but there's nothing like an episode being released and coming into work the next day and experiencing how people lived the story because you had different choices of how you experience the story and how you would make your characters and how you would end up a lot of the choices may have been superficial but they felt real during the moment when you got into work the next day and you ex and you exchange your stories with your friends in my case jack and bill old co-host of the gamer's advocate i mean we would be in shock with what happened and be like did you see that how could they do that how did walking dead go that way and telling them that We experienced the same story, but we asked them, how did you handle this part? Or how did you experience this this tragic scene? Or who did you choose to live or to to die? And like I said, the game itself is a single player game, but with the power of your friends and with the internet community, it made that feeling so much stronger because your story had weight and it was your story. Your friends experienced the story, but they experienced a different telling of the story not just what you experienced. So they brought in their own connections and their own experiences into the world, just as you did, and it brought you guys to different conclusions. And that was the fun of it, is talking back and forth and and experiencing it together, yet separately. And that's the power of good video games. If a game is powerful enough and it tells a story or has an interesting component, it can draw you in and bring people together to have a shared experience. And I think that is something truly, truly special about video games. With video games, you have agency in how the story plays out and how you arrive at certain aspects of the story. And that's what makes it truly special. And especially when you have the right people. Because sometimes you don't. Sometimes, like I had this period in my life where a lot of my friends kind of grew out of video games and I was experiencing a lot of these things on my own. But when Jordan grew up and got to a certain age and I found some friends at work that we can kind of focus in on and really share a love of video games, it really became special and really reinvigorated my love and my passion for video games. So I, I think it's just an incredible experience because I've never been a true multiplayer guy. I mean, there's some games like The Division that really hooked me. But I am I love stories and I love experiences and these are something special that you experience with other people. So I'd love to know your gaming experiences, your single player gaming experiences that were heightened or elevated or made better because of other people. Who's special in your life that makes video games even better? Because like I said, when you share things and you kind of bring different perspectives and experiences and bring them together, it makes it into something wonderful. So please, like I said, let me know below and tell me what are your favorite moments, your favorite multiplayer-esque moments from single player games. And that's topic number three, and that concludes episode two of The Gamer's Advocate. So I want to thank all of you, once again, for joining me as we look into the world of video games week by week. Who knows what week three will entail? We're getting close to E3, so who knows when leaks are coming or what things are happening, but all I know is it's going to be an incredible ride. So if you want to stay tuned to The Gamer's Advocate, please subscribe below. Please follow us at Gamer's Advocate or myself at Adam Bankhurst like us on Facebook, and please send me an email at adam at thegamersadvocate.com. Join the conversation, send your questions, send your topics. I want to bring you guys into the show and help make this into an incredible, incredible world where we can look, love, and appreciate games. So once again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me on this experience and on delving deep in these topics. So I wish all of you an incredible day and or night, and I can't wait to see you next week. Thank you.